It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome in to episode 291 of the Sources A podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network, presented by our friends at Justice Dental tonight. Another huge show breaking down Kentucky's unfortunate and heartbreaking loss in the Champions Classic and the Wildcats adding five-star center Jaden Quaintance plus potentially another big addition coming very soon. But before we get started, a quick message from our friends at Justice Dental. Sources say is presented by the great team at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling or texting 859-543-0700. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team look forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I'm tired. I, have, I think I have bags under my eyes and uh, I haven't showered today. I feel disgusting, but boy, oh boy, do we feel good about what we saw last night. Even though it didn't end the way we wanted it to, going to be a lot of positive takeaways today. But I, I know you're exhausted. You just got in. I got in and went straight to basketball practice. And uh, then we decided to go live. So I haven't done anything. So here we are. I literally just walked in the door and sat down. Like I, I, I walked through the door, dropped my bag, and immediately walked into my office, wrote the the post for the website, and hit live. Like it was – I could not have done this any sooner. Um, so, yeah, I – Post-game duties ended for us at 3 a.m. last night uh, after a long, stressful, exciting, fun, sad, heartbreaking, really kind of a weird mixed bag of emotions following Kentucky's 89-84 loss uh, to Kansas. And if I, how often is it that you leave a game like that Knowing that you were up on like just total surface level, knowing that you're up 14 points in the second half, had every chance in the world to win a game, just complete surface level. And knowing that after the fact, after the game ends, you go, damn, man, I don't, I, I really liked how the Cats played. I really feel optimistic about this team moving forward, given all of the circumstances that kind of contributed to the loss. And the game leading up to it, how it unfolded, the different adversities they had to overcome, the punches in the mouth that Kansas tried throwing early, and then responses back. Like There was just so many individual moments to love about Kentucky's performance. And I think Cal put it best last night. He basically said, I love their fight. I love their this. I love that. It was from start to finish, there was so much to love. And it's basically everything you could possibly look for except for the win. Like that, that's the one thing that we're missing. And I know it sucks because Kentucky's one and six in champions classic games in, in over the last seven years, it's frustrating. You want to win these big games, but Sean, there's so much to be excited for with this team. I think everything that we kind of hoped and dreamed for with this group from top to bottom in the roster, it's kind of starting to come together the way we hoped. It is. It absolutely is. And I think last night, so Take this thing all the way back to June, and there's a timeline here, right, that we have 
gone on and on and it, it feels like it's been forever <laughs> since that since we were recording the summer when they only had the freshmen on the roster but but jack when you you look back at at june there was a lot of what is going on within the program what is going on what is kentucky going to look like this season there was not really a lot of optimism that this team would be good then they get here you get trey mitchell antonio reese comes back we get to see him in toronto we go throughout the entire summer all the positive pr the recruiting stuff that Kentucky's doing, everything. It didn't really get validated, though, until last night. I think there were still some people that were probably like, you know, they've not played anybody yet. We got to see them against exhibition competition. We got to see them in two regular season games. But I'm still – I'm just – I don't want to fall into it because I'll just get hurt again. You know, I think there was some people that were waiting. And last night, I believe everybody's all in and on board with what this team is doing. That's what last night was about. That's why on the rapid reaction last night when you and I were talking, I kept staying positive with man. Like I saw all I needed to see tonight in 40 minutes from Kentucky. And I think a lot of national guys saw it too. Like you're going to see Kentucky on Monday if they win Friday, move up in the polls, I think, quite a bit, even though they lost to number one because they competed their tails off. And I took a lot of good out of that game. Justin Edwards, 0 for 6, one point. Antonio Reeves, 7 for 25, 3 of 17 from 3. DJ Wagner, 1 for 12, 0 for 3 from 3. If you were to tell me going into that game that those three would have the shooting numbers that they did and Kentucky let Hunter Dickinson go for 27 points and 21 rebounds, you're, you're telling me that Kentucky's getting their ass kicked. Like, on paper, Kentucky really had no chance, no, no, Valid reason to be in that game. Considering the circumstances going in, we knew that Kentucky was going to be shorthanded in the front court. We did not really have an on-paper response to Hunter Dickinson. That guy just did not exist on Kentucky's roster without Aaron Bradshaw, Big Z, or Ugon Onyento. We kind of just knew we had to beat him by committee. Trey Mitchell was just going to have to try his damnedest to figure it out. Given the height disadvantage, five inches of a disadvantage against Hunter Dickinson, like, we knew it was going to be a by committee issue. Adu Thero coming back from concussion protocol. Like, what was his status going to be? How productive was he going to be? If you were going to tell me on the surface that Kentucky was going to shoot 32.9% from the field and still have a shot to tie the game and send it to overtime and with five seconds left on the clock, uh, I'd tell you you're high. Like, I'd tell you that you're drunk and have no, no idea what you're talking about. Kentucky had no business being as competitive as it was on college basketball's biggest and brightest stage against a damn good basketball team in Kansas. Kansas is really, really good. They're not deep, but they have a lot of talent. They're going to be in the conversation all the way through March. And Kentucky just showed that they can not only go blow for blow with them, but there were times that they looked like not just the better team, but the undoubtedly more dominant team. And it was a game of runs for sure. Like Kansas had theirs, Kentucky had theirs. I mean, it was a very well-played college basketball game. I thought the energy was great. I thought it was great for the overall sport in general. All eyes on Kentucky, all eyes on Kansas in the Champions Classic. John Calipari trying to get Kentucky back to where he had it a few years ago. And and that's been the whole talk of the offseason. Could Kentucky do it? Is Kentucky good? Is their backcourt good enough? There's a lot to talk about, like really, like when we dive into this stuff, it's this this episode's probably going to go all over the place. But for the most part, the the one thing that I want to stay consistent with 
is that Kentucky answered a lot more positively about what I expect from them and what they can be last night than anything negatively. We're going to get into DJ struggles. We're going to get into Justin's struggles. Antonio Reeves was not efficient offensively. 25 shots for 24 points. That's not an efficient number. But overall, though, when you look between it, there's a lot of good here. And it's honestly just what I've been saying for months. The depth of talent that Kentucky has is what's going to make them so tough. DJ didn't have a night. Justin didn't have a night, but look who did. Rob goes off. Reed was really good. Adu, that was kind of Adu's coming up party, too. I don't know if we've ever really knew what to expect from Adu Thiero. Like, he's just as big of a mystery as a lot of these other guys on the roster. We didn't get to see him a ton last year, especially in, in this role that he's playing now. Overall, Jack, Kentucky checked a lot of boxes, and it's a lot of boxes that teams check that make it deep into that tournament in March. I want to go back to the beginning of the day, the walking through the bowels of the United Center. You and I were standing next to each other outside of the Kentucky locker room, waiting for them to come out for pregame shoot around. And Sean, it was a moment that I think I'm going to remember for a really long time, especially when if this season turns into what we kind of hope and believe it could and should be. I'm going to go back to that moment because it was a group of 18-year-olds coming out of that locker room. The student manager holds above his head a boombox, and it's blaring music. I mean, the, it, the, the sounds are echoing through the halls of the United Center. You can hear it from a mile away. And there's this vibe and presence with this group of we could not care less about what's on the other side of that tunnel. They are rapping, they're dancing, they're singing. DJ throws his arms or his arm around Kareem Watkins, his, his brother. Uh, you see a do Thero throwing his hands in the air, dancing. Jordan Burks is just getting into it. Like you would have no idea that in 30 minutes, they would be all eyes in the college basketball world were going to be on them, dissecting every little detail of what they were about to do. It was a vibe and like a just a, a mindset of we don't care. We're we are who we are. We like who we are. We're friends. We're buddies. We have not seen that with this program. And I couldn't tell you how long, Sean. When, when's the last time we have felt that vibe? You and I both looked at each other after that moment. They're rapping every line, trading bar for bar with each other. And all three assistant coaches are standing there, top to bottom, full suit, pocket squares, look awesome. They're sharp. And they're kind of dancing and enjoying themselves with it. We kind of looked at each other and go, Something's different about this group. And they did get punched in the mouth early, not down 9-0. But their response and ability to kind of prove themselves on that stage kind of told me anything that I needed to know about this team. Like, that was the defining moment of that game. But I also think if we look look ahead to what we hope is Phoenix, what like that's the dream with this team. If we get to Phoenix and we are standing there on that floor in Phoenix at the Final Four, I will look back to to last night in Chicago. I will look back to that preseason, seeing that pregame routine and ritual and and celebration before the biggest stage that they'll ever be on in their life. Yeah, absolutely. And in the tunnel there, you were talking about it. I mean, you could just feel that they were ready for the moment together, collectively. Individually, some guys struggled, but collectively they were all bought in. And they were like, okay, we're coming here to compete. 
not just compete, but give us a, get, have a shot to win the game. And they did. And that goes back to Monday night when we recorded the pregame or the, the, the show leading up to the, to the champions classic. And I said, when it comes down to it, the reason I didn't pick Kentucky to win, I picked them to lose by two. I remember I said, they're going to have a chance to win it. I just don't trust them yet to do it. And that's the thing. Like Kansas had been in that moment plenty of times. Those dudes on that roster had been in that moment of knowing what it takes to how to close out basketball games. Kentucky hasn't. And that's okay. It, it turned into a lot of Antonio Reeves late with the ball in his hands. There were two step back threes. Rob Dillingham took a bad shot in the corner. Uh, I think I'm trying to f- figure out the rest of the plays. I know DJ Wagner had a layup that just missed, just rolled out. And then you had a missed free throw there from Trey Mitchell too. And, and then just down the stretch, I thought Kentucky just didn't know how it wanted to play. And Cal kind of went to the one guy that he knows on the roster. The one guy he truly knows and only really knows is Antonio Reeves. That's a dude that went through 30-plus games with him last year. That's where I think Kentucky just didn't know how to win it, and they just hadn't been in that environment yet, and that's okay because now they've been in it. The next time they're in it again, Jack, they're going to be ready and, and know what to do. They also, that last possession of the game, no DJ Wagner, no Justin Edwards, rightfully so. I didn't think they needed to be on the floor late in that final possession. How many times are we going to say that, though, this season? I don't think that that's going to be something that's going to continue throughout the year. I think when it comes down to it, the next time both those dudes will be on the floor, at least one of them. Last night they couldn't be, and that's okay. Like, But Kentucky had a chance. It just wasn't able to get it. And I said it last night on Rapid. You want something, you're just not ready for it yet. And that's that's what it came down to. They're going to be ready for it. And I saw a lot last night that tells me this team can make a deep run. If – Justin Edwards and DJ Wagner are average. Like, they don't have to be good. They don't have to be great. If they are average last night, Kentucky beats the hell out of number one Kansas on ESPN, on the biggest stage, prime time, ESPN. Like, that's that they were on the cusp of a statement where you know that DJ is going to be at least average this year. Like, duh. Like, it wouldn't we don't need to over talk and overthink this about DJ that he like, Oh, he crumbled on the big stage. So therefore he's going to be a bust. Like, no, DJ is going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine with DJ. Justin Edwards. We've talked about our concerns with him. And like, I I've never bought the number one draft pick hype. And you know, he's never going to be a go-to guy on this roster. I know. I don't think I never thought he was, but he's always going to be like, he had four or five gimme buckets of the basket that he fumbled out of out of bounds that he got stripped he just lost he he's he's had an issue with just losing balls going up for easy dunks had he converted on three of those easy finishes at the basket kentucky wins that game again we just need those two to be completely average at minimum and everything else works out in favor to a, an absolute dominating performance on the big stage against number one Kansas that looked like a team capable of being number one in a, a legitimate title contender. You know that those two are going to be just fine throughout the year. They might not be the elite of the elite. There are some legitimate concerns about DJ Wagner as the top five, top 10 legitimate lottery pick that people kind of hoped he would be. But with the system and how everybody else plays off of each other and the complementary pieces that this team has, 
they got it. They don't need DJ to be elite. They don't need Justin to be elite. Nobody on this team has to go nuclear. Antonio Reeves can go seven for 25, and they can still have a shot to, to, to be in it at the very end. That's where the feel-good moments come from. If, if anything, Rob Dillingham was the one that we were kind of like, would he be able to do that on the big stage? Would you know? Would he be able to go for thirty? Have a you know Malik Monk level performance? And we got that in the first half where he hits back to back to back to back threes, and then hits Antonio Reeves for an unselfish uh, three in, in transition to score fifteen straight points from three. Like he lived up to the moment. Reed Shepard lived up to the moment. Could he be that guy on the big stage, or would he just kind of be the solid? to pretty good player that we've seen him be at this point. Could he be that next level? He proved he could do that as well. Like all the questions that I had about this team going in, none of them involved DJ Wagner or Justin Edwards. I knew what, I mean, you know what you're going to get out of those two. And all summer long and fall, I've talked about the backcourt and I've talked about how they're all different pieces, right? I mean, Antonio's different than DJ. Rob's different than both of them. Reed is different than all of them. Like they're just totally different guys when you pull them apart individually, but together they're what makes Kentucky so strong. And this is why I think that this team makes a run. And I know we're only three games in and I'm not trying to get too far ahead here. They're, it's not just their depth. It's their depth of talent that they have there. DJ didn't have his best night. I even grouped Justin into the backcourt, even though he plays some small ball for, I still count him as a wing and, and a guy that has the ball in his hands and doing some things. Those two guys didn't have their best night. We know Reeves wasn't very efficient. Rob went on a heater. Reed played well. That right there, that depth is why Kentucky had a chance. And that's why the backcourt should be considered one of the best in the country because name other backcourts around college basketball that have the talent and depth that Kentucky has. There's only a few. that can even be mentioned possibly in the same breath as Kentucky when it comes to numbers and what they can do with that position. That is why... Kentucky is going to be just fine going throughout the course of the season. Another thing, too, legs got late. Legs got into them. They beat and banged with Kansas on the interior. The game plan that Kentucky had, I thought, was magnificent. To have to give themselves a chance. They're playing with four inches of height that they didn't have with Hunter Dickinson. But they suffocated him. How many times did we see deflections where they were trying to force the ball into the interior? And I thought Kentucky was, was great there. So you had a Duthiero beating and banging on both ends. You had Trey Mitchell doing everything he could. He had the toughest matchup of the night because you still want to run some things through him offensively, but he still has to to guard a matchup that is a significant mismatch. He blocked his shot a couple of times too. He played his ass off. He did. Everybody will focus on the four missed free throws, and he needs to make those free throws because, again, we're talking about the little tiny missed details that probably lead to a victory. The Hunter Dickinson, the, the Rob turnover at the end of the half, leading to the Hunter Dickinson three. The I mean, you could pinpoint individual moments. They go, ah, if that goes a different direction, Kentucky probably wins that one. The four missed free throws directly correlate to transition into that loss. But do not take away how badass Trey Mitchell played. Like, that's a tough matchup, and he looked it dead in the face and said, you know what? I got this. Let, let me let me calm everybody down. And I know we talked about the, you know, he kind of had a reputation built up about not living up to the moment in big games. How would he adjust to that? I know everybody will kind of use that and say, ding, 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 he missed the four free throws. Brick two of them at the end, got to make those and kind of put two and two together with those things. But I thought Trey was tremendous. Like I thought from start to finish, like you cannot 
blame that game on on Trey in the slightest. I thought he was really really strong. Eight point six uh, rebounds, three assists, couple blocks. Like he 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 did more than enough to help Kentucky win that game. It was kind of a, a, a in all system. It, it wasn't just one thing to blame. It was a lot of different things to blame that kind of contributed to the the, the, the late crumble. And, and there were a lot of things that were there that gave Kentucky a chance. And if if they had held on, we'd be having a completely different conversation right now about one play. And I know it's hard to single out individual plays, but they they were they ran they ran some action there that got them a lob opportunity at the rim. And I think Kentucky was up maybe one when it happened, and Trey Mitchell ended up deflecting it and getting a steal that led to an, an and one in transition for Antonio Reeves. It ended up being a five-point swing that could have put Kansas up one. Instead, they're down four. And that would have been the game-winning play had Kentucky held on to me because that was the one that's like, man, that's a massive swing right there just off one play. And that was Trey Mitchell just going and making a play. So that's the stuff that I'm pulling away from this is Kentucky fought. Every time Kansas threw a punch – Kentucky threw one just as hard, if not harder. But the start, ultimately, the slow start, that was that was that hurt, especially late. And then the start out of the half, or when Kentucky had on the the run there, you know, and then Kansas goes on a big run. Like there was a couple of times here that that's the only thing that I'm looking at. You know, DJ struggled, Justin struggled, we know, but they got off to a bad start with that lineup against Texas A&M Commerce. They got off to a bad start against Kansas. Reed Shepard goes in the game. Kentucky instantly kind of the tide shifts. The same thing happened there in the second half. Kansas run, boom, Reed goes in the game. What happens? Kentucky turn pushes out a lead. That's the stuff. And that's the stuff that Cal's going to figure out, right? Like it's still early in the season. He's going to ride with guys. I even said it last night that I thought he was riding with the wrong guys at times. And that's probably an in-the-game emotional take. But it's three games in. And I'm not going to hammer Cal for it. Now, if if Justin and, and DJ are struggling in game six, seven, and eight, and you're still doing that while the others – now, Rob did have three fouls at one point, and I know that put into it. But I was talking more about Reed. Reed Shepard, to me, is that guy that's got to be on the floor. Like, my goodness, the way he impacts the game. And he scored the ball last night, too. Like, in the presence just to hit big shots, like he hit a three that tied it there in the second half. Just poised, just – no, nothing rattles him. He did make a turnover when he drove on, on Dickinson there. But late in the game, I just think that right now this is a team that's still trying to figure out its identity late while they want to run. They went to a floppy set there, and they did get a post up out of it, and they did get a, a foul, and, and Trey Mitchell went to the free throw line. After that, they, they went middle ball screen one time, and they got a switch with Antonio Reeves, and he attacked the switch and got a bucket. And I think that put them up four. After that, it turned into step back, step back, Rob Dillingham step back, and that's where it kind of got sideways, and here's where the veteran team went and executed on the other end. That was what ended up being the difference in the game late. Youth got Kentucky, not as much youth, but just not being in that moment where Kansas had been in that moment. You give me four months and you get me back in that same situation, I think Kentucky then knows who it is. And you have to have DJ get going at some point this year. You have to have Justin Edwards get going at some point this year. So short-term playing the hot hand probably gets you probably gets you this win. But I I can see where Cal is coming from when you say DJ's got to figure it out. Like he's he 
He has no choice but to get this figured out this season, and he will have no bigger opportunity than this game to get it figured out. And he didn't. And it was a risk reward that ended up the risk ended up outweighing the reward and and, and it's and it directly resulted in a loss. But I can see the mindset in the in the the vision behind saying, you know what? I know Reed's playing better. I know Rob is playing as well as you possibly could ask him for. That's why you signed Rob Dillingham. But we got to we got to get DJ going. We got to get Justin going. I think it that mindset lasted just a hair too long and especially considering Rob Dillingham is as streaky as they come in like if you he is the one guy that if he is riding a hot hand you got to ride the heck out of it. Like that's a guy who does go for 30 in a half because he just keeps going and going and going. He's he's a he's a pressure cooker. Once you take him out, he kind of gets out of his groove and then that's where some of the bad trades starts start coming out. So it's like that's something that you learn with a team. That's something that you had to witness in the moment and kind of get a feel for it and go, yeah, I probably should have kept riding with Rob. Probably should have kept going. Was he gassed? You know, there was some talk that he might have just pulled himself out of the game there. Whatever the case was, he was dealing with foul trouble, made some bad decisions, defense, you know, turnovers, bad shots there at the end. That's kind of you got to live and die with some of the things that Rob Dillingham does. But uh, Cal will get that stuff figured out. You, you don't know until you know in experiences like this. And it was like it was the ultimate test for a team that needed an ultimate test at this stage. And even though they lost, they passed the test. Yeah, they, they did pass the test. And late in the game there, DJ and Justin not being on the floor. I'm willing to bet that going into two weeks ago, if we had come up with lineups and, and we polled everybody and asked, who is your closing lineup? Both of those guys would have been in everybody's lineup mentioned. And I think even Cal's. So when you take DJ off the floor, you take Justin off the floor, who I think at some point this season, Kentucky will be able to play through both in different ways. Now it comes back to Antonio Reeves. And it's him out there, the one guy that Cal knows. And I think that that kind of played into it. You removed two guys off the floor late that you just really couldn't play through at that point, especially last night. And then you go try to win the game a, a different way. Kentucky will look different as they go throughout the season. But the energy and effort and everything that they did last night, that stuff's what's going to stay. Now, Cal did draw up, I thought, a really good play at the end. Kansas just defended it very, very well. And I, I think the only thing that I possibly would have changed about it was like a screen and rescreen there for Antonio Reeves is I'm, I may have added Trey Mitchell to that side instead of a Arrow just to maybe cause some confusion and, confusion and some mix-up that maybe you get some slip action there or just a pop action there from Trey Mitchell and maybe he gets freed up for a look at the three. Instead, it was a the Arrow that was involved and Hunter Dickinson was able to play off. And then you just – you got kind of mixed up. Didn't, get, didn't have as enough – maybe as much of an opportunity to get confused and mixed up there where you had the handoff on the other side Reed Shepard forced the three. That's just inexperience. You, you still had time to, if something breaks down, you can get downhill, get to the rim, and take a two and be down one. There was still plenty of time. They just hadn't been in that situation. That's the one situation we hadn't seen Kentucky play basketball in from July till now. But overall, Jack, we've talked about random basketball. It's great. Late in games, they still got to know what they want to run and who they want to go through. When possessions become crunched, and it gets down to the final minutes of a game, who does this team play through? At some point this season, I don't think it's going to be Antonio Reeves, and that's not a bad thing. 
I think it's going to be more of a play – like he's going to play off others instead of Kentucky playing through him. That's where Kentucky's got to get to. Even though he may be their leading scorer, late in games he may end up being their third or fourth option, and that's when Kentucky reaches its peak of what I think it can become. And we talked about this last night, Sean. Kansas, I think, is a very high-floor team. There's a reason why they've looked so dominant to start the year. Um Kentucky, you can't tell me there's another team in college basketball that has a higher ceiling. And knowing what we know about this group and the the tools, like I looked at a Thero's performance last night as a this is this is this guy is a bonus. Like this guy was was one of those guys that we considered anything that you get out of him is icing. Like we've heard good things about him behind the scenes, about him making that jump and that his body continues to fill out and he's strong and thick and tough and physical and while, you know, while still kind of having those guard skills, skills to be able to beat you off the dribble and finish around the basket. I never envisioned a Thero to be one of the guys on this team, but he showed some things last night that make you go, well, if he's doing that as a cleanup specialist, if he's able to draw fouls at the rate that he's doing and make free throws and doing different things of that nature, what does that do to change the like the ceiling was already really high with this group, but if a do Thero can be that type of guy, he doesn't have to be 16 and 13 every night, but if he can be that type of physical above the rim presence that he was, I mean, now you're talking really scary stuff. Very scary stuff. Yeah, you you absolutely are. And I'm going to be honest here. And I think that me and you've had this conversation multiple times, kind of off the record and, and not on the show that I kind of expected a dude to be the guy that would kind of get lost in the mix when the bigs return. Not after last night. No way. And and a lot of that was because I just didn't really know. Like, he, he played minutes at point guard last year. And now he's playing the four and kind of being Kentucky's physical presence. I thought early in the game they, they had Hunter Dickinson on him, and I think that that kind of was like, okay, what what is this? They're They're playing me. They're giving me the three-point shot. He knocked one down early. But other than that, they were like, this this guy's not going to knock down shots. There were a couple of plays. He went right at Hunter. Got right into his chest, finished inside hand. There was a play there in the second half where it should have been an and one. There was no doubt there was contact on that play that he got an offensive rebound and powered up and threw it. Overall, though, just the the hitting the offensive glass, the the rebounding, the winning 50-50 balls, the, the strength that he played with. That's a dude. Like that's, it, that's he looked like a tight end dude. going up to catch a 50-50 ball in the end zone on some he of those did. footbacks. And he's changed the way now that I look at what their options are there. That that dude's got to be in the mix and he's got to be in the mix and playing a lot of minutes. Like if he's going to be that good and that, you know, the versatility and stuff that he shows, man, and he's a young guy. Like you can't even count him as an experienced guy that's played. Because he's playing an entirely different role. He's he to me, he's grouped in with the freshmen too. It's just a lot of new faces, but man, a lot to be excited about. What do you make of Bill Self's comments after the game? I think it's not anything that we don't know already, but again, a guy of Bill Self's caliber, um, kind of agreeing with us about Trey Mitchell at the five. He said, I'll be honest. Kentucky's hard to play with, with with this true five out Trey Mitchell at the five. They're a really, really tough out and they're going to only get better moving forward. And he was like, 
when Aaron Bradshaw get you get at least Aaron Bradshaw back. Anything you get out of Big Z and Ugo is icing on the cake at this point. Like this is going to be a really really tough out moving forward. Cal has a really really good group, but stressed that we knew they were going to spread us out and drive, and they spread us out and drove and had success. So they knew that it was coming. That like Bill Self knew that it was coming. That's why we saw Hunter Dickinson thrown on uh, on a do. They tried to throw a little a couple different things to mix mix that up and try to make life difficult for Kentucky. And it worked 9-0 start, but they kind of chipped away and chipped away and built that momentum. And we got that snowball effect of, whoa, baby, like that's what this five out looks like. That's what this pace in the random basketball looks like at its peak. And that's why it's like, damn, you cannot get tight at the end because you can beat anybody by any margin of victory if you play that style and stick with your guns. How does that change with the bigs back, Sean? We talk we, we talk about Aaron coming back and having the skill and the versatility to step out and make shots in the same way as, as Trey. But when you know what you have with Trey, it does become a risk of making Aaron Bradshaw a high-minute guy because any extended period he's on the floor means that Trey Mitchell comes off. Or you have two bigs in, which kind of limits the versatility of an Indu being at the four or, or however. So what <laughs> – so what last night did for me, and more so with a do, and and two with 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 Bill saying that after the game, I think it's a good thing because I think it's something that when Cal hears it being talked about like that too, I think there's more of a commitment to continue playing Trey offensively at some five. We do know Trey's going to play some four when when there's a big back at times. My prediction is this of the three bigs, and maybe this isn't even a bold prediction at this point, but I I think only one of them is going to get consistent minutes. And I lean Bradshaw. Like that's the one that I think. I think when it when all the dust settles here and everyone's healthy and everyone's in the flow, I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see all three of them make an impact. But I think when it comes down to it, what a do is doing, he has to play. The way Trey plays at the five, he has to get some looks there. He's going to be on the floor. If you're going to play Justin Edwards at some small ball four and run some of those three-guard looks – You've got to sacrifice something, get one of those bigs back. I think Bradshaw is the most talented of the three. And when he's healthy, I think he'll be ready. I think only one of the three make an impact throughout the the rotation when it gets down to when it matters most late in the season. Kentucky cannot bog down with the bigs. They cannot. They have to stick with their guns with this style of play and figure, figure out how to incorporate them into what they're doing right now. They cannot be disruptors. They have to be complementary additions. It, or, and they're all going to get their opportunity to show that, right? Mm-hmm. Like when they're healthy. That's the thing. We're not just – I'm not trying to single out it, single out one. I just think that when it comes down to it, Jack, only one of them is going to be in the, in the mix with it. I'm, I'm concerned about Ugo. I am. He's the one guy that I just don't know how – you see him fitting in with the system as currently constructed. And I hope, I hope I'm wrong. Like I hope he can come in and you could run some things to, you know, make him that lob presence, you know, maybe that having a lob presence in that way makes DJ more comfortable with the paint touches. Cause he's clearly uncomfortable right now, not having that safety net in the dunker spot. Like you can tell there's a little bit of uncomfort there that I have never seen him before in a huge sample size uh, in, in high school. 
he's not playing with the same mentality that he he did before, at least in that game. It was a very strange performance um, for DJ, and I wonder if maybe you know Aaron coming in and and being able to pop out for the you know the, I think they're going to work unbelievably well together in, in the pick and pop pick and roll, but. That's a question, but the one that I really have that I I keep circling back on is just where is the fit with Ugo, especially considering he's behind, he as behind as he is, especially with conditioning and style of play and development where he was before the before Toronto, knowing where he was and how much he needed to get to get to that point. It's like there's going to have to be an odd man out here, and I'm I'm concerned that seeing what we saw on Tuesday night, that it's going to be Ugo. And that's the conversation that we are going to have to have at some point, and we're, we're kind of starting to have it now. But it's going to be a conversation that's going to be had throughout the remainder of November and into December. Like, when all the bigs are back, what does the shuffling look like? You know, what does it look like with who who plays, who doesn't play? I mean, Cal's got some tough decisions. I, I think he's got some tough decisions when it comes to the, the backcourt as well. Like, what – but I, I just don't think that after three games, I don't. You're not going to see a lineup change on Friday night, and I'm not calling for one, honestly. Like I love that that Rob Dillingham and, and Reed Shepard are in that second group that come in and change the pace of the game immediately off the bench when they check in. Like I love that. If you can get DJ rolling and you can get Justin playing stronger, I think that's probably the biggest thing with him right now. Is there was a play where he got stripped that that's got to be two points. It has to be, and you get those two going and then you you hit them with another group of an, another fresh couple of guards coming in that play the game a different way than the two that's been in the game man that's a lot to keep teams off balance and then you, what you go with is i do think it's going to be the hot hand i don't know if it's ever going to be a set closing group for kentucky for at least the first couple of months in the year it may be you know what reed's on it tonight reed's going to play 30 minutes or dj's having himself a night DJ's going to play 30 minutes. And I think that's going to be where Cal maybe in, in the, the platoon year, it was platoon, platoon, platoon. We're playing these five. Now we're playing these five. We're doing this. This isn't a platoon, but all four of the guards got to play. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And I think Cal's going to have some decisions to make in moments, in games, and that's where I think that he's going to have to rely on his assistants a ton this year. What are their thoughts? Who should be in the game right now in this moment? And he's got to be able to trust them. John Welch is probably another one of those guys that I think he's going to have to look at and trust as well. DJ is doing this thing. He's great getting downhill. But right now I feel like it's attack, 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 attack. I want to see him start to knock down an outside shot. It doesn't have to, he doesn't have to shoot it at 40%. He doesn't have to shoot it at 35%. Just knock a shot down or two here or there. That's missing. But he's also, I feel like, fading away from contact at times in, in some of these scoop layups, and he's kind of finishing outside the lane. He is too strong, Jack. Like I'm telling you, he can power his way up and finish through contact, turn some of these into and ones, or at least get to the free throw line and have a willingness to get there. That's some of the things that I think could help him 
and get him going. A uh, couple of times he drove in late and just throwing shots up at the rim. You mentioned the dunker spot. I do think that that's a position that will help him getting in the paint, that he can throw that lob up there. That is missing from Kentucky's offense right now is the ability to play over top. They had they did have some putback dunks, but when they add a big there, they're going to get some lobs that they're not getting right now. I, you know, it's not it doesn't come as a shock to anybody, and I feel for him because Jordan Burks has been tremendous, but he's obviously going to be a guy that I, I think the minutes have to come from somewhere when Aaron Bradshaw comes back at minimum, and I think he's going to steal a lot of what Jordan um, is getting right now, but that should not minimize the impact that Jordan has made in a really like he's been, he's in a tough, tough spot. Like he did not sign with Kentucky to play the five first and absolute foremost, but even the four, like he kind of came in thinking that he was going to be a two through four versatile wing. Two is ridiculous. And I don't think that was ever even reasonable, but he had the mindset of coming in that he was going to be kind of a versatile, whatever, wing position you wanted me to play whether it's up or down I can play that for you and he's having to be a true big you know banging with the the you know the Hunter Dickinsons of the world like that's not fair for him but he has stepped in and really embraced this role and played really well Cal gave him his props after the game and said that you know yes he didn't finish with any points and he bricked well bricked one of them and missed by four feet on uh, on another one of his threes. We got to reel that in. Like, you do not have the green light, bro. I I feel you. I am glad you have that confidence. In, uh, but but it's not in your bag, at least not yet. But the vision, I, I didn't see the vision when he signed. I'll be totally transparent. I did not see the vision when Jordan Burke signed with Kentucky. I thought the inflated stats uh, being OTE's leading scorer, I thought, I thought was fool's gold. And anybody expecting him to be an immediate contributor was lying to themselves. I was wrong. I think Jordan Burks has been really, really impressive in his role and deserves the, the – Cal didn't have to single him out for a 0.0 for 2 performance in the Champions Classic. Like, he did not have to single him out, but he did, and he's deserving of it because Jordan has really gone above and beyond to embrace a role that he probably didn't deserve. Yeah, he has accepted whatever it takes to help this team win. Those guys make it in this program. Mm-hmm. They do. And he's off to a great start. And his role will change when a big returns. Maybe you don't see Jordan Burks as much, but he's getting better, Jack. He's getting better playing a position that he's probably never going to play again. And that's what, what is the vision for, you know, no, we see it now. He's, he's clearly a, a contributor, however you use him. What what would be the ideal situation for him, Sean? Like, what what do you think would allow him to unlock the best version of himself? What's what's crazy is we've not really got to see him. We don't really see him handle the ball much, so we don't really know as far as skill set. You know how much better he's getting in that area of his game. I I don't think he's a, a wing really. I don't think there's no no there's no two or three there. He's definitely not a five. Probably settles in as a four. Would love to see him, you know, develop a consistent jumper and knock down outside shots for sure. And just be a high energy guy, especially early in his career. But this is a guy that I want to see stay committed to Kentucky and Kentucky stay committed to him. Because I do think long term over the next couple of years, we see what Kentucky's doing in recruiting right now. I think there's going to be a place for him in this program. He's earned that already just by his willingness to accept a role that he never probably envisioned ever playing in his basketball career. 
Like when it comes to wherever else he was going to go at some point, like you know that playing the five was not part of the plan. But he came here and accepted it, and those guys figured it out, and it works out for him. So for him, I think it's just stay the course. And for Kentucky, I think it's stay the course with him. And let's see what this thing that this thing looks like. How does he develop? But right now he's at a disadvantage because he's playing a position that he's not going to be playing probably a month from now or even definitely a year from now. So it's hard to really judge and, and see how he's developing until we see him play probably the, the nat, more natural position that I think he will end up in. But you got to give him a ton of credit. And right now I trust that guy when he's on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, props to him. He he's earned it. Um, let's transition a little bit because it was not just a uh, high profile loss for Kentucky. Heartbreaking loss, big stage. They they play relatively well on, on the big stage. Uh, we got a nice little appetizer to the Champions Classic as five star center Jaden Quaintance announces his commitment to Kentucky. Uh, a guy that Cal has wanted ever since the, the, the first minute he ever saw him play. He has wanted Jaden Quaintance as part of this program, a big reason why they kind of uh, didn't continue to push all their chips in on Flory Badunga, um, allowing kind of paving the path for him to go to Kansas. Jaden Quaintance kind of steps in as the top priority for Kentucky, another basketball player, somebody that Cal will be able to play multiple positions and go back to that true five out because he has some touch. He has some feel. Uh, he can put the ball on the deck and drive and dunk on your head. There's a lot to love about Jaden Quaintance. It was a statement gift for John Calipari to close out the early signing period. Oh, absolutely, it was. It was a uh, it was a win before they even went on the floor last night to face Kansas. And and what a day it was. You you get a talent like that, and you and I've talked a lot about that 24 class. That whoever you get, you whoever you're targeting, you got to win those those recruiting battles in that class. What you want at the top, you got to go get, and they're doing that. I mean, they get they get acquaintance. They've they've got Boogie in that class. You just got Travis Perry. It's been a good few weeks here for Kentucky, both on the floor with what they're doing, but also what they're doing in recruiting in the commitment to the style of play that they are playing. Like that's a guy that, that that's going to make an impact from day one in college basketball. That is a very talented player that they added yesterday. Yeah, very complimentary pieces with all of them. You get. Shooters and scorers with Boogie Flan, a guy with limitless range, kind of that Dame Lillard, like, I got as much – I have confidence to launch from 40 feet. Like, that's just who he is. He's not going to make them all from 40 feet, but he has the confidence to take those shots. You have Travis Perry, who is, by definition, the best scorer to ever come out of the state of Kentucky. Like, he he has that next to his name now permanent in ink, like – Sharpie, it, he is the all-time leading scorer in Kentucky State history. That's a guy that you can lean on to make shots. 46%, 45%, three-point shooter this past season, 30-plus point-per-game scorer in Kentucky. That dude is going to come in and, and get buckets. You you can lean on him to make early shots if necessary. Uh, you get Santo Ciro, where I, I don't think the upside is as high, but you know exactly what you're going to get with Sompto. He's a physical, strong, athletic presence who's going to block shots. He's going to be a rim runner. He's going to be a, a guy you can lean on off the bench to say, go get me a couple tough rebounds. Go get me a couple tough dunks. Make make a statement with your physicality. Go, go be that physical presence that we're missing right now. Um, you know, I, I think a a better version of what we got at Lance Ware is probably a realistic expectation with, 
you know, and, and I don't want to limit him. I don't want to put a ceiling on him, but you know, that's, that's a comfortable role get for Kentucky that if he give, if you get anything else more out of him, then good. That's, that that's fantastic. You know, excited for him. Great kid uh, ex- expecting big things from him at Kentucky, but the star of the show is Jaden Queens. That was the one that you can kind of say, all right, you got the complimentary pieces. Now let's go swing for the fences for a home run. Jaden Queens is that guy. Uh, I think he truly has all NBA potential. I think he's a guy who could be Cal's next max deal in the NBA. He could be the next Bam out of bio. He could be the next Boogie uh, uh, Boogie Cousins in the NBA where he has the strength and physicality and mobile uh, mobile traits while also being able to, able to step back and step out and knock down shots. I think he has the, those abilities. Jaden Quaines is a statement get for John Calipari, somebody that he has had circled on his priority list from day one. And for him to go out and get that in the NIL era, Sean, which is another big understatement, a, a, a an underrated part of this story is that Kentucky had to compete in the NIL world for Jaden Quaints and still figure out a way to land him, a guy who's going to be here for two years. That's the best part of all of this is that he is locked in for two seasons at Kentucky. So anything that you get out of him right now is basically icing on the cake. Like if he can be a, very fairly productive player in year one, great. But the the vision is for year two where he can really explode as one of those sophomore superstars under John Calipari. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on his game and, and how he fits into what they're doing now, right? And, and the way that he that he fits in and can do some of those same, thing, th- same things that Kentucky is doing offensively. But when you look at what they've done overall in 24, just three weeks ago, this – Class had one dude in it, and here comes Vintage Calipari. The best classes he puts together, Jack, is when he has a lot of them in the fold at the early signing period date. And here we are just a few weeks later with a Boogie Flynn commitment and signature, and then you get Travis Perry and Jaden Quaintance within 48 hours of one another. Like, that, he, that that's, that's Cal. Like, that is the best of Cal. Cal's team looks good on the floor right now. And what Cal and Kentucky are doing in recruiting looks good right now. It looks the way it used to. And it's so refreshing to see it because the two together is what makes it what it is. That's what makes Kentucky basketball so great. And I wouldn't rule out uh, another late addition in the class. I, I I would keep my eyes and ears peeled for uh, a possible Billy Richmond edition. That was one that um, Billy has been a really fascinating recruit because everybody just kind of assumed and penciled him into Kentucky the minute he received an offer. His dad played for John Calipari at Memphis, teammate of Aaron Bradshaw and, and DJ Wagner for both the New Jersey Scholars and at Camden. Like it just makes way. It, it, from day one, it made way too much sense for him to end up playing for Cal at Kentucky. Um, he says initially that he was going to commit in the spring uh, during one of the NI, uh, EYBL stops. He was going to play, uh, commit in one of those stops. Then he kind of moved it a little bit, said, eh, I think I'm going to wait till Peach Jam. All eyes and ears on, on Peach Jam. Um, let's, let's get it done then. Then he kind of pushes it back to, okay, well, I, I'd like to commit before the start of my senior season at Camden before before I get to high school. That way I can got to get my decision out of the way and then focus on my senior season. And it just kind of feels like that target has just continually pushed itself further and further and further back. 
And I had heard that he had loosely and tentatively planned on like December, January as his updated timeline of when he wanted to get uh, make an announcement. It was like, dang, I mean, we were talking spring, uh, you know, a year ago. And now now we're already back to the, the to the winter. So uh, it's my understanding that Cal has kind of said, all right, I know Memphis is recruiting you hard. They're the hometown school. I know. Uh, you know, Alabama's making a push. I know uh, LSU likes you. I know there are different options that are prioritizing you and want you to be a foundational piece of their class and your potential star. But we love you, kid. You belong at the University of Kentucky. You're the exact missing piece that, that we're missing, that physical, strong, long, athletic wing, like DeAndre Liggins type of player, Sean, that you trust – to guard the other team's number one. Like you trust him to say, go, go shut that guy down. That's his role. He's going to force turnovers. He's going to get out and transition and dunk on your head. That's what Billy Richmond is. Uh, and it's my understanding that Cal has kind of ramped things up in the last couple of weeks, the last week in particular and said, why, why not? Why not get this thing over with in the, in the early signing period? Uh, the early signing period ends at midnight. So I don't know when an announcement is going to come. Um, just keep, Keep in mind that DJ Wagner signed his letter of intent before it was officially announced. Just something to keep in mind as we talk about how how news is rolled out and how those things. Just something to keep a very close eye on. Uh, but I like I would not trade Kentucky's chances uh, position with with anybody for Billy Richmond. And that would make this class a five-man class. So, just just a question for you here, and and I know this is tough because we just do we don't know what the turnover is going to look like with guys that return and things. How many guys do you see this class getting to though? Is it is it five? Is it six? I don't I don't see it being. I mean, obviously, I don't see it being as big as the one they just had because I do think there's going to be some guys come back, and and I still think there'll be some value in looking at the portal. For, for some veteran veteran presence. Do you see it going beyond five? I think that Cal is now in a position where he has laid the foundation of this class. It's set. The, the core of the roster is set for next season to where you're not going to be in June looking for final pieces. You're not going to be waiting for a miraculous Trey Mitchell in the portal because you only have seven bodies. Like this is the, the foundation is set. You can feel pretty solid about Reed Shepard coming back. Jordan Burks and Joey Hart, you you expect them to kind of stick with the continuity of the program and continue to develop into their own roles for long-term pieces. That's what they signed up for when they uh, came to Kentucky. Adut Euro is going to be a very interesting one to keep an eye on because after one game, go figure, he decides to play his best game as a Wildcat under the bright lights where every NBA, NBA team in uh, – uh, in the league is in attendance watching very closely. And he jumps off the page literally for his best game as a wildcat. It's like, damn, could have done that when there's less attention on you, bro. Like we kind of would love to have you back for another season, but he, he kind of played as well as you possibly could under the bright lights. And now he's officially in the draft conversation, whether he sticks around for another season and, and, you know, continues to, or continues to work his way into like first round territory uh, this season, that's going to be kind of an X factor decision uh, from in that regard. And I think you could pretty firmly commit to DJ, Justin, Aaron, probably Rob now pretty firmly. You can, you can uh, probably anticipate him gone. 
And even, you know, Reed played his ass off in on the big big stage too. Does he work his way into the one and done conversation? I hope not because you kind of really are leaning on him and hoping he's a foundation piece, foundational piece for next season. But uh, you're going to have some turnover and you now have five core pieces moving forward and you can adjust accordingly. You can go to the reclass route. Darren Peterson is somebody that you could probably make a hard push for in the spring. You would, you can land him alongside Jaden Quaintance, then deuces. I mean, that, that, that's as good as you could possibly ask for. But there are other options. Jasper Johnson, I've heard Malik Thomas could be somebody who could flirt with uh, a potential reclassification. Kentucky's done a good job there. Or they can go portal. Or they can circle back with Carter Knox. There, there are a lot of options in the spring that you just kind of wait to see how the other guys – trend if a do is clearly going up 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 you probably need to find a replacement if reed keeps trending up and you got to unfortunately find his replacement because that would really suck uh having him leave after one year good for him but it would suck for the program then you got to find his replacement as well so i you're in a position now where you know the guys you expected to leave you have replacements for it's just kind of the other question marks that you have to decide how you're going to adapt if they do trend toward draft territory. And a do a Thiero is, uh, when it comes to sources say, boy, that I'll never forget the day he committed to Kentucky. Or when, and you and I were like, where did this come from? I don't even know anything about this kid, really. Let's, let's just get on and talk about it. And you and I were scrambling. You remember that day, that afternoon, like scrambling to get stuff together. And look at what he did last night against number one Kansas. A late addition in the spring. What, three-star guy, I believe, Adu was. Mm-hmm. So there's value in late ads. You're seeing value in late ad of, of Jordan Burks right now, like late in the summer. So paying attention to, like right now, what Kentucky's class looks like, and you mentioned some of the the roster turnover and things. There's all there's going to be guys that become available from different avenues too that you just don't know what the spring looks like. There could be another Adu Thiero out there somewhere that we're not even talking about right now that John Calipari brings in and into the mix and, and it works out. Like to me, though, just having four already is just solid foundation to stand on. And now you can kind of if you if you get Billy and that's number five then you can kind of look at this thing and, and not relax, but you can kind of key in now on what you need. Because by January, we'll kind of have a clear-cut idea of where these guys currently on this roster stand and what, not necessarily final decisions, but the direction it's kind of going. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll see. I know there's some people in the comments saying that uh, Adu is nowhere near being ready for the NBA and all that. I, I mean – Sam Vachini, if you looked at the athletic, talking to NBA scouts after the game last night, Adu was one of the main guys that NBA scouts and attendants talked about. So, like, I know it's easy to just kind of dismiss that possibility because Adu has just, you know, yes, he does not have even a remote touch on the outside from three. Like, there's a lot of stuff you got to work on with Adu. But do not dismiss a 6'8", 225-pound physical freak athletic, be able to put the ball on the floor, drive, play above the rim, dunk on your head. Those guys are if, like currently dominating in the NBA. Do not just dismiss that possibility because he's a do-thero and he was a three-star last offseason. Like, 
Adu played his butt off against uh, in front of all of the right people to play your butt off. If, if, if there's one thing I've learned, not just in doing this job, but following this program and, or even college basketball in general, never assume, never assume that anything is a, a one year or a, a two year or three year person. Just don't, because you just, you, you don't know. Like if, <laughs> and Here's the thing. If Kentucky wins a national championship, there's going to be a mass exodus off this group. Or if they get a deep turnaround, because that I, means Kentucky's really good and a lot of dudes are playing at an elite level. Yep. And then you bring in another group next year and you run it back again. Like, um, no, I just, a do showed a lot last night. But it's the same thing, too, that goes back to Kentucky. It was one night, bright lights all on you. In this program, there's bright lights on you a lot of times. And, and a lot of lights are going to be kind of on it Friday night to see how after a tough loss like that, after a physical, emotional night where you went wire to wire with number one, what's your energy and focus like Friday night when you come back out against Stonehill? To me, it's come out and blow them off the floor at Rupp Arena. Beat the everlasting hell out of Stonehenge or whatever whatever they are. I, I mean, that... Be easy. We've we've had we've put we've had some after St. Peter's. You know, like I'm just like hey, let's not give anybody any motivation over here. This could Jack. be a this could be a name your score game, Sean. Like this could be one of those games that Kentucky can go out and just name. All right, that's that's enough. Uh, we appreciate everybody. I'm running on fumes as is, so I'm going to get some sleep for the first time, and God knows when. Uh, Sean, this was a lot of fun. It's a really good game. Really fun week of recruiting updates. Really fun game, really fun trip to Chicago where we learned a lot about this team and all of the right things about this team. I'm really excited about the future of this program. I think that you could you can start dreaming big with this team. Like if this was the one thing you were waiting on to see them against real competition, I think it's totally fair and acceptable to start dreaming big with them because they have earned it. They, they This is a really talented group that even through the struggles and adversities and getting punched in the mouth, they, they threw counter punches right back had answers to a really talented team, the most dominant player in college basketball, and they deserve their props. This is a really impressive performance. Um, ignore the numbers, ignore the shooting percentages. This is a really strong performance for the Cats, uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to Kentucky's matchup against Stonehenge on on uh, the Fighting Rocks, the, 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 the English Rocks or something. Is that is, is that their mascot? I have no idea. Um, but, yeah, there, there's a lot to be excited about. I'm very much looking forward to being back at Rupp Arena on Friday night show. Uh, I am too, and uh, I'm looking forward to every single game on the schedule and, and what Kentucky does over the course of the season. Because uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's okay. It's okay to to look and think, man, this this is gonna be a fun year because I, I don't think that this group's gonna let you down. I, I really truly don't. Well, let's go on and get out of here, Sean. We got the football uh, show right after this. I believe eleven personnel coming up, so we'll get out so they can get this thing rolling. Where can fans find your work? You can follow me on Twitter at GBB Country. Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Find us. Make sure you're subscribed. If you're not subscribed, what, what are you doing? Come on, man. We, we're, we're here constantly. We're going to be here from start to finish throughout the regular season, putting out these post-game shows. We're having a blast with this. We appreciate each and every one of you. With that, we'll be back next time on the Source to Say podcast. We will see you then. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.